Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. We are honored to have an incredible guest, Nicole Rawling, uh, who has really broken through on a, a front that is one of the most challenging fronts when it comes to uh, compassion, innovation, uh, sustainability. Tell us about your nonprofit and tell us everything we need to know because right after people eating animals and that impact on the environment, wearing animals, using animals in cars and materials on purses is one of the most destructive industries on the planet. Take it away. It is. Thank you so much, Jane. So I am the co-founder and CEO of the Material Innovation Initiative. And like Jane mentioned, we're here trying to replace all animal-based materials in the fashion, automotive, and home goods industries. So think about leather, wool, silk, down, fur, and exotic skins. So I think sometimes people do forget when they're trying to make their you know, own changes in their lives to move away from animal exploitation, that these materials do require the killing of animals. And in most cases, they are co-products, meaning they're very valuable sources of income for animal agriculture. So essentially they keep it alive. Let's go to one of the most exciting developments in the, I would guess, call it leather alternative industry is one way of putting it. Now it's become a badge of honor not to have leather in your cars. I actually saw a commercial. I won't say the brand because I don't remember it at this moment, but I literally turned my head and they were advertising a, an electric car it wasn't Tesla. It was another electric car just come on the market on television. They said, as as an advertising point, leather free. Yeah. I, I it blew my mind. I was like, whoa, we have arrived. What's happening with that? I know it started with Tesla making. Obviously, it's a very chic car. It's the car, the it car it has been for quite a while now that everybody wants to drive or a lot of people do. And it was it is vegan leather. What did that do to the uh, leather alternative movement? I will say, if I can back up and give a little explanation, most people here do do understand the differences in food and why we're moving away from animal-based you know, meats, eggs, and dairy. I will say the fashion, automotive, and home goods industries are so much more excited about next, we call them next-gen materials, than the food industry was about alternatives to animal-based foods. And so we are seeing a lot of excitement from major automotive companies, like you mentioned, to fashion brands, even top luxury fashion brands. I can talk about Hermes, you know, their partnership in a minute. But you're right on the automotive side. I know uh, a number of companies have mentioned these alternative materials. I think it might be Volvo who's committed to go 100% um, non-animal leather within the next few years. But I know, um, let's see, Bentley announced a 
partnership with a next-gen material company. I know Porsche has worked on alternatives, Land Rover. Um, so it is a lot of the top material, top automotive companies are exploring next-gen leather. I think at the heart of it, because I have attended many fur protests over the years, and I see a huge seismic shift in that arena. Killing animals and wearing them in a primitive reptilian brain way had been associated with some kind of status. And now it's becoming a contrarian indicator. I've always said that when I see people draped in fur, I go, wow, you must be so socially insecure that you feel you need to run around with these trappings to somehow telegraph to other people that you could afford to buy this. But it's crossed over and now it's becoming um, a source of shame and embarrassment. Can you address that? Because when we are trying to change culture, we really have to approach it from a standpoint of psychology. And I think that sort of the old mentality, uh, if you think of maybe even pre-pandemic um, or 20th century mentality associated leather and fur with luxury. And something has happened now where leather and fur is being associated with old people mentality, old thinking, not that there's anything wrong with old people, but old thinking, let's put it that way. And it's it's flipped into not being a status symbol anymore. That That I think is really key. Can you address that? Yeah, I, I do think this goes along with a lot of our movement in sustainability as well, at least from the fashion industry automotive perspective, that animal-based materials tend to be the worst for the environment. And for the same reason that we know animal-based foods are terrible for the environment, all of the resources that need to go into, say, growing that cow, for example, for beef, all of the methane that comes out of that animal. The same applies to leather. And so a lot of these companies are understanding that impact on the environment from these animal-based materials. And I think consumers are seeing that as well, that it's not necessary to kill an animal, right? Whether it's killing an animal for food or killing an animal for their skin or fur, like that's, that's not required anymore. We can use science and technology to come up with better products that serve our needs, can make our bags and shoes and cars so much better than these skins. And the way we talk about it, because we work with a lot of investors and entrepreneurs and scientists is we right now aren't constrained to the biology of an animal, right? We didn't choose leather because it's the absolute best possible material to create a car seat, right? Or a bag or shoes, belts, et cetera. We chose it because it happened to be left over when we killed animals, right? Thousands of years ago. And, you know, at that time we couldn't waste anything. We have this thing, what do we do with it? And obviously wrapping it around yourself, it keeps you warm. And so we've just continued using that thousands of year old technology and materials. Whereas now 
why would we do that when we can do something so much better? Um, and if I can talk about one of the exciting technologies that, that we're thinking about, and I can mention Hermes, because we really do think that the fashion industry is going to move in this direction. And I think it will happen a lot sooner than we've seen in food. So Hermes, right, one of the top you know, French luxury brands in the entire world, top luxury brands in the entire world, has partnered with a company, Mycoworks, that's creating leather out of mycelium. So mycelium is the root structure of mushrooms, you know, fungi. It's a new thing, right? Everyone's using fungi. So um, the mushrooms, the, when the spores grow, the, the um, roots sort of entangle and create a substrate that is very, very strong. And so what companies are doing is using these different technologies out of fungi to create leather. And Mycoworks has their, their leather material is only about 2%, maybe 1% uh, petrochemicals. So if most of you probably know about pleather, Right. So pleather is a vegan alternative to leather that many of us have been using for for decades, but it comes from petroleum. Right. And if we want to make a big positive impact on the environment, we also can't just move away from animals and move to petroleum based sources. So we think the industry needs to move away from the pleathers as well as animals. So that's why we're calling it next gen. So this is the future of materials. And the more we can move away from those sources, the better. Now, part of the issue, part of the issue is we don't want to put subpar products on the market, right? We don't, I don't know how many people here have had like really bad vegan cheese. The amount of money that I've spent on terrible vegan cheese and just like thrown it in the garbage is, I mean, it might be a thousand dollars. But that actually could hurt the market, right? Because people could try something and say, oh, all vegan cheese is terrible. No, it's just that one product, right? And so what we want to do is make sure that the new leathers that go to the market don't bleed color, right, onto, say, your bag, right? If I had a bag bleeding onto my white, you know, shirt, I would not be happy about that, right? Or that I'm sure all of us have had vegan shoes that fall apart really quickly. Like we need that high quality, And so these new materials are working on that and having companies like Hermes involved shows that's really possible. Hermes is never going to put out a subpar product. So this is super exciting. And I want to share with you experience I had the other day. I was driving around in my Prius listening to Bloomberg and this I turned it on. And it was like, yeah, and we have a whole new line of shoes. And I thought, oh, here we go. Somebody hawking leather shoes. As I listen to the conversation, it's a vegan shoemaker. And this was literally this past week. She's going on and on. It was like a 10 minute interview, which on uh, a major radio network, and I think this was a television network being uh, the Bloomberg television being um, basically on Sirius streamed into a radio format. So this was on TV. She's going on and on about her vegan shoes. I thought, am I hallucinating? This is fantastic. Then, of course, the guy asked the host, well, what about the materials? Isn't it plastic? Isn't it bad for the environment? She goes, look, at the first 
printing of our first gen shoes, to use your terminology, we did have plastic, but we wanted to move away from it. Now we're using grape leather. I almost drove off the side of the road. She goes into a five minute dissertation on grape leather and um, they were fascinated by it. And then the female co-host said she had gotten a pair of these shoes and they were fabulous. It was just really like a breakthrough moment because I had been expecting the worst and then I heard the best, but they will mainstream media will totally try to jump on. Is it, is it plastic? Is it plastic? And try to make the case. And what she said was yes, because we needed to start our line. We did have to do our first line with some plastic, but even plastic is better than the leather tanning and everything that goes into leather from an environmental perspective. So can you give us your thoughts on on all of that? Yeah. Yeah. What I can say about leather is I think people forget it's it's skin, right? Like, I mean, it's skin. So if you encountered right a dead animal in the forest, them, their body, their skin would decompose fairly quickly within a matter of weeks. But leather, as we buy for our cars, right, and bag shoes will last for generations, right? I mean, especially in these luxury items, people will pass down their bags for generations. Like your leather really doesn't degrade because of all the chemicals that go into it. And so there's generally around 250 chemicals that go into the leather tanning process. And that tanning process is the chemical process to stop it from degrading. And that chromium is the most dangerous in that that's used in the majority of leather tanning. And it's bad for humans, for health, for the environment. It's a social justice issue because people in countries around the world, especially Bangladesh, India, where a lot of tanning takes place, right? They're, they're exposed to these chemicals and the entire community is exposed. And so not only is the, the leather bad for the environment, but people as well, and obviously the animals. And it's something that hasn't been getting a lot of attention, uh, but I like your approach is just saying next gen uh, material innovation, as opposed to leather's bad, leather is bad. But the idea that this is actually the future and it's more efficient, it's better, it's longer lasting, it's more sustainable, um, where are we? Because, uh, for example, I recently attended the Vegan Women's Summit and on Unchained TV, we have uh, an entire mini doc that we just uh, started streaming about that. Very, very exciting uh, developments in, uh, for example, uh, cell-based meat, which you could call clean meat or slaughter-free meat uh, in terms of uh, just plant-based revolution. We had people who were on uh, a Shark Tank speaking at this panel, um, this conference, more than 800 women. When I attended, I was blown away because it really is approaching it from the standpoint of this is good business. This is good business. So uh, where are we? Because when it comes to the food space, you can see milestones like when Beyond Meat went public. 
wow, that was a big milestone, maybe a game changer. Uh, when Oatly went public, boom, a big milestone. Uh, when the Met Gala went vegan, there were all these, there, there have been all these milestones that you get to see and go, aha, we're making progress. So where are we in terms of next gen material, specifically alternative to leather? Mm-hmm. So I, to answer your question directly, I would say we're about five years behind the food industry. So there's significant interest. And to give everyone a little bit of background, I was at the Good Food Institute. So one of the major nonprofits in the alternative protein space for two years running the international operations. So I have a little bit of background in food and alternative protein specifically. So we've done an industry analysis, and um, the exciting thing is that investment is increasing significantly, which is the main driver for these innovations. So last year alone, almost a billion dollars was invested in next-gen materials in general, not just leather. I forget the exact amount for leather, but the vast majority does go into leather. And then the previous years before that, it was also previous four years before that, it was also about a billion dollars. So investment is accelerating quickly. Right now for consumers, unfortunately, there's very little on the market. So innovation takes time. There's a number of companies who've been working on this for a while, but it does take time to develop the right formulas, the right approach to these materials. And then once you've been complete R&D, scaling up, creating production facilities. So right now there's very little that you can purchase on the market, but we expect a new announcements, you know, almost monthly um, where new companies are raising more funds specifically for scaling facilities, announcing new partnerships with brands and, you know, launching new products. So one example, the company I mentioned, Mica Works, that has the partnership with Hermes, in January, they raised $125 million for a scaling facility in South Carolina. So that's, that's the entire point of getting these products to market. Um, I just talked to one of the founders actually last week in New York, and she expects that once they even have this facility built, they're going to be have to planning the next facility. There's so much demand that these companies can't, can't meet it. Um, this is so heartening. And at the Vegan Women's Summit, while I was interviewing various entrepreneurs, there was this woman who was from Mexico who came up with Sentient, which is a brand of cactus purses that look like beyond Birkin bags, beyond the most, because some of these bags, you know, they're really, really status symbols more than anything else, totems that say, I'm rich. Okay, that's what people need to do to bolster themselves. I don't really understand it, but uh, that's the the game. I'm looking, I'm watching this film, uh, this series called, uh, I think it's called The Gilded Age. Um, absolutely uh, interesting to see how society judges people. And a lot of these details are often crucial to get in certain doors. I consider it all rather primitive, but uh, it is what it is. But her bag under sentient made from cactus leather 
honestly look like the most expensive bag I've ever seen because there's something about these expensive bags, the way they're, they're, they're they have a certain quality that's like a mini suitcase almost, uh, very compact. I looked at this and I was like, whoa, this is an incredible bag. And she's like, it's cactus. And she explained why cactus is one of the most sustainable brands that uh, one of the most sustainable materials that it doesn't need a lot of water. And that in a time of increasing drought and water insecurity, this is the way to go. And it was it was so inspiring. So tell us about some of these alternate materials like grape leather, uh, cactus leather, pineapple leather. You've discussed fungi. I wish they came up with a better name. I don't know why some of our great products like nutritional yeast, like who's coming up with these names? Let's get better names and fungi. But I've learned a little bit about fungi that it's neither plant nor animal, it's its own kingdom. And it's very exciting. And there's so many things that are happening with mushrooms. I'll say, I think it's a little bit more palatable, but um, tell us about like a lot of these products that have these really, some might say kooky uh, materials, but they're working. Yeah, well, and right now, I'm assuming the company that uh, Sentient's working with is called Deserto. So they are a Mexican next-gen material company that makes their next-gen leather out of cacti. And like you mentioned, the grape waste company is probably Vigea. And then for pineapple, Ananas Anum, and their materials called Pina Tex. So there's a there are materials right now on the market that are mostly plant-based waste. So like you're talking like what you're talking about is taking waste from like say the wine production industry or from the pineapple industry. Um, Ananas Anum uses pineapple leaves, which obviously we don't eat. We eat the fruit. And then for deserto, it is they grow their own cacti, but like you mentioned, they're very environmentally friendly and they can continue to grow despite taking you know, pieces of them. So that's one category of this material. And some of those products are available now. If you are looking for a material that is free or has a very low, low, like I'm talking a few percentage percentage of the material being from petrochemicals, these tend not to be. They tend to have more petrochemicals in them because of turning that agricultural waste into a hard material. You have to mix it with something. The new technologies that are coming is that mycelium. So we mentioned the microworks, the fungi, um, that there are some products on the market, but they sell out immediately. So Bolt Threads is one of the companies working on that. They came out with a bag with Lululemon. Um, I think it was, it was in the last few months. And I think they sold out very quickly. They are also working with Stella McCartney and Caring. Um, so a lot of these companies do have partnerships with big brands to help bring these products to market. And then, as you mentioned before, some of the, the same technology that's used for food, like the cultured animal meat, we can do the same thing with skin. So you can take a biopsy of animal skin and grow those skin cells in a lab and create animal skin. And there's a number of companies working on that as well. Oh, wow. I never actually thought of that because <laughs> we're <laughs> hearing a lot about slaughter-free meat. Yep. And uh, my feeling is whatever reduces suffering the most and the most quickly. And so while I wouldn't eat it, uh, being vegan for about 26 years, uh, 
when we burst through the vegan bubble and go out there and see how many people are addicted and insisting on eating this product, even if it gives you heart disease, even if eating animals causes pan, causes pandemics, which it did. Um, in fact, uh, one of the things that I'd like to mention is that the New York Times on February 27th published a front page article that was completely overshadowed by the Ukraine war uh, that said that uh, scientists, uh, a community of scientists, well-known scientists who have examined the entire issue have concluded essentially beyond a reasonable doubt, because nobody could ever say for sure, we weren't there, that the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic started in uh, the wet slaughter market in Wuhan, China, meaning that eating animals is how this started. And again, society just did just like, didn't happen. We've got a caller, Kimberly uh, from California. What is your question or thought for Nicole? Hi, thank you. Um, I was recently tempted to buy my uh, daughter's VW car. It has heated seats, but they're leather. So I was so bummed out. And I'm wondering, uh, did you mention anything? How about any, are there any cars out there with uh, pretend leather or whatever? Thank you. Yeah, so I know all of Tesla, all Tesla cars are next-gen leather or alternatives to animal-based leather. Right now, I, I can't say for certain. Um, I can always check and you know get back to you. You can contact us through our website if you want. Um, but a lot of the car companies are working on it and they are putting out individual lines or committing to go leather-free within a certain time period. Um, so it does require a little bit of research into the specific models of the cars at the moment, but I do see a lot of promise happening soon. Um, thank you for that question. What are the biggest users of animal products in clothing? Is it shoes and cars? It seems to be those are the two things that we're focused on when it comes to leather. Let's leave fur aside for a moment. Yes. So automotives does use the highest number of um, animal hides. And then in the fashion industry, it is footwear. So here's something I've noticed. The pandemic, I watched this series about the plague in the 14th century, and it said basically it signaled the end of the medieval era because it was a feudalistic society. If you were a serf, you weren't ever gonna become a, a priest or a, a nobleman or a knight or, but then all hell broke loose when uh, the play came and wiped out almost half of Europe and everything changed and it introduced a more modern era and led to the Renaissance and the Reformation, et cetera. Um, in the same way, looking at the pandemic, I saw it as a huge game changer. I mean, people were walking around, myself included, in our pajamas for two years. And now when I have to put on like real clothes, I go, oi. Mm -hmm. um, so, I noticed that shoes, I was seeing an increasing number of non-leather shoes because you think of leather shoes as when you go out, when you go to work, when you go to a party, that would be more of when you would have the leather shoes. Do you see a cultural shift toward non-leather in the shoe industry? 
I do. Um, and actually, we are talking to a lot of the top footwear brands. I can't mention a lot of their names, but the ones that would come to mind immediately. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. I think what I will say about the fashion industry is most people care a lot more about sustainability and the impact on the environment than they do about animals. And so when we talk to them, we do talk about animals and that impact, and they see that. And so most of these companies are actively looking for next-gen alternatives. We actually did a informal study, but we talked to 40 of the top brands in fashion, and 38 of them were actively looking for next-gen materials. And this was two years ago. So when we were starting with the idea for MII, we did market research to say, does this make sense? Is this an area of opportunity where we can have an impact on the industry? And there was in our interviews, like we really did meet with the top fashion companies around the world. They were actively looking for these materials. They just don't exist. And so that's where we come in to really add that help to the supply chain, encouraging more investment in the industry and more scientists. We're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook. Oh, we are talking to Nicole Rawling of this incredible. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel the voice america talk radio network is on instagram make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows live events and around the network we want to see what you have to share as well check us out on instagram at voice america talk radio we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. I am so excited. This is one of the most exciting interviews I have done recently. Nicole Rawling, Material Innovation Initiative. You have a virtual conference coming up May. I'll let you tell it. And it sounds very exciting. I will be there. I can't wait to watch. 
I am so thrilled to have you there. Um, yeah, so it's a virtual conference. It's May 18th and 19th. And it really is the go-to conference for anyone interested in these next-gen materials, material innovation, the transformation of the mainly fashion industries at the conference, moving into sustainability and animal-free materials. And what's so exciting is the number of top brands who are really interested in coming and are speaking at the conference. So we have the CEO and ever uh, CEO and founder of Everlane, who's helping chair the conference with me. We have Reformation, we have Patagonia, we have Allbirds, we have Lululemon. Um, it's just really exciting to see the industry behind this and supporting it. And then we have top material companies and investors in the industry. And it's really for anyone who wants to learn about how innovation is changing the fashion industry and specifically in materials. We have Jonathan from Los Angeles, who I happen to know is a local leader in the alternative to leather fashion industry, throws incredible 100% vegan fashion shows. Jonathan, thank you for calling in. What's your question or thought? Hi. Uh, yes, this is Jonathan from Fake Movement. So happy to be here. Uh, thank you for sharing everything you do, as always. Uh, I just want to uh, quickly share a little study I'm working on right now uh, with VegFund, um, which is uh, about uh, genuine leather. When you take uh, genuine leather, there's no way to identify which animal it is. It can literally be made from dog, kangaroo, pig, cow, there's no way to know. So we decided to, uh, to do a little research and uh, to, um, to have some uh, different type of leather and to try to identify which animal it is. And we realized, so we're still working on this, but we realized that 60% of them were unable to identify, first of all. And second of all, we realized that they had uh, chemicals. So they had uh, plastic, uh, I mean chemicals, of course, you need a lot of chemicals to create leather, but on top of that, there was plastic inside. So there are layers of uh, uh, polyurethane or foam. So basically, when the leather industry is saying that vegans are using plastic, the leather industry is as well using plastic, and we, we don't know about this. But uh, the question I have, actually, because I feel that will be the best way to uh, kind of uh, um, fight the leather industry, I will say, <laughs> is uh, do you think that it is possible to have an alternative completely free of plastic? Yeah. So, Jonathan, so good to talk to you again. Um, I love that yeah. study. What a great idea. Um, yes, there is. And there are products on the market right now that are. So one example I would give is Miram from Natural Fiber Welding. Um, they are 100% plastic free. Wow. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. And we love what you do. And we were collaborating recently. We're going to collaborate on bringing some vegan fashion to Unchained TV, our new global streaming network that is 100% vegan and 100% free, available on your phone, as well as on your uh, Roku device, your Amazon Fire Stick, your Apple TV device, and Samsung and LG Smart TVs. And uh, we are trying to uh, spread the word about incredible innovations like this globally, because I think people want an alternative, but they have no clue uh, when they go into a store uh, how to make compassionate choices. Another caller, Paige on the line from LA. Your question or thought, Paige. 
yes. So I'm, I'm coming from a consumer's um, question here. How can we as consumers, well, I guess change the industry? And the reason I bring that up is because I, I, I've talked to many farmers who say, well, we're not going to change until the demand is there. So how can we create the demand now? I will say the demand is there. We actually did some studies that on both the U.S. consumers and Chinese consumers. So, and specifically on next gen leather. So we asked U.S. consumers if they would purchase next gen leather. 94% of them said they were likely to purchase it. 45% said they were highly likely to purchase it. And 39% said they would even pay more for next gen leather. Um, Can I ask you a question? What is it demographically? Because I kind of see a split, just like with the food industry. Younger people are seem to be much more open to plant-based. It's hip, it's cool. Uh, it's the same thing, I think, with leather and fur. Younger people, although the fur trim is a serious problem, but you don't see them running around in fur coats the way some older people uh, have in the past. Yeah, actually, so I wish I had those on the top of my head. I should for next time. Thanks for the, you know, it, it is a very interesting question. Our All of our studies are available for free on our website, and we had an independent party conduct them. So people always ask me, you know, were this all my vegan friends? No, it was not. Um, we hired an independent consumer research firm to conduct these studies for us, um, followed all standard consumer research principles and we do have the demographics in the studies that are available on our website but is it is it are young people more open to this i think in general young people are more open both because they're they understand the impact on the environment they want to make better choices um, so many are concerned with you know the future of the planet that they're going to inherit um, but I don't I don't remember exactly the demographics yeah. of that study um, okay so uh, I am so excited about this conference uh, let's talk about fur because we know during the pandemic, which I think was a real game changer for fur, uh, full disclosure, I've been attending fur protests for decades. When we used to go down Rodeo Drive, the organization, Last Chance for Animals, and there were other organizations as well, I don't wanna leave anybody out, but it was usually uh, some celebrities at the front and then a huge group of people. We would protest the stores that sold fur and give awards to the stores that have given up fur. These are obviously the top companies in the world, Rodeo Drive. It's the most exclusive companies in the world. Well, 10 years ago, it was all protests, maybe a plaque. Now it's all celebration because almost all of the stores have given up fur and maybe one or two left that are still being protested. It seems like there's been a sea change and of course, during the pandemic, it was determined that mink had caught COVID in, um, I believe it was Denmark, and they had to kill 18 million, approximately 18 million mink. We had one of the undercover investigators on Unchained TV who showed us footage. It was stomach churning, gut wrenching, just giant, giant dumpsters filled with these white mink filled with blood that were just dumped. Then they buried them in shallow graves. 
and the mink carcasses rose up in the rains to the top and they were described as zombie mink. Now for me, oh, I froze for, for a second. Not a great photo that we froze on there. Yeah, here I'm back. Um, for me, it was, it was so horrifying, but what my takeaway was any semblance of glamor that might be associated with fur was wiped out by COVID being connected to mink and by the slaughter of approximately 18 million mink. There were stories all over the world showing these dumpsters filled with mink. It was gross, for lack of a better word, nauseating. Any hint of glamour that might be associated with fur went out the window. Do you agree? And do you see that moment as a game changer for, was it the death knell of fur? Yeah, and actually an interesting thing too is they've shown that when the mink got COVID, they it mutated within the mink and transferred it back to humans in a different strain. And if you read that too. So yeah, with these factory farms, they're just huge, you know, petri dishes of, you know, dangerous diseases for humans. Um, yes, I I do think fur is dead. Um, I think part of the reason is that as a luxury product, right? I think not not everyone can afford it. And so it's really easy to say there are alternatives to fur and people can make those different choices. But then like you say, once it's perceived as, you know, unsexy, undesirable, that it's people are making a judgment of people who wear fur, that it's luxury, it's unnecessary, it requires so much cruelty, and it is really bad for the environment. Um, and so I think consumers are seeing that and they're moving to alternatives. But part of the issue that I think most consumers have is that the alternatives don't really exist right now, or they aren't as good as the animal-based alternatives. Even if people wanted fur, there are actually a few companies that have next-gen fur, but a lot of it is petroleum-based. But so I will say, um, full disclosure, I saw a woman walking in head-to-toe fur in Manhattan many years ago, not many years ago, maybe six or seven years ago when I went up and I said, I please, why are you, they did my usual protest thing and she said, this is 100% uh, animal free fur. It was so fur like that you literally cannot tell the difference between faux fur and animal fur to the point where it's in some parts of the world, I've been told it's cheaper to raise animals and then call it faux fur. Yeah. So. Is there a problem with wearing realistic faux fur that's so realistic that it looks like real fur because then it perpetuates the fur industry? And is there a way to deal with that where maybe if people are going to make those kinds of materials, they clearly market with fur, whether cutting a hole in, in it, making do something that makes makes it obvious that this is not from an animal. Otherwise, even if you're wearing faux, you're promoting fur. Actually, just last week, I was on a panel with Kim Cantor, who's the founder of House of Fluff. It's a vegan fur brand. And I got to, she brought a whole bunch of her furs to this event in New York. And they are absolutely gorgeous. They really are. Um, I've never wanted a fur. I did debate about it then. But for the same reasons that you're talking about, I don't want ever to wear something and anyone to ever think that it is a real animal. So what Kim has done is she has a, it's a bright red mark, like a, 
a patch that she has on her jackets that say fur free. And so like people can show it to people who ever complain about the fur. Um, And to your other question, I don't actually know. I think this would be a great social study, whether wearing a next gen fur and animal free fur does perpetuate the desire for real fur. Um, I don't know. I have the same argument made with leather. So most people are wearing, you know, moving to alternative leather. I wear a lot of alternative leather, but I always mention that it's alternative leather and people are always amazed, but we're willing to do that with leather and not fur. So I think it's a really interesting question. It is a very interesting question. I call it a high class problem, right? Um, let me talk about a couple of other things that are very much in the news. There's been a lot of protests against uh, the use of kangaroo leather for uh, soccer shoes. And it has been described as the largest killer of wildlife on the planet. There have been major protests at, well, one major brand, we've covered it, uh, Nike. Um, Disruptions, really large disruptions in their Manhattan flagship store and it's spreading around the world. What is your take? Because right there, and some of the footage of these dead kangaroos lined up and how they club the this is what the undercover investigators say the babies are clubbed uh in when they're still in the pouch it's it's like beyond heartbreaking i mean there's there's really no words uh what can we do what i love about your approach is you don't approach it from yeah you're evil you're this you're like there's a better alternative let's make it a win-win Can you discuss that entire issue? Because it's very much in the news. Yeah, I do. I think that the animal protection groups who point those out are doing a great job, right? I think that humans can, we can connect a little bit more to something like a kangaroo because they're seen as cute and we don't generally exploit them in other areas of our lives. Whereas if you're you know, talking about the exploitation of cows, because so many humans do exploit cows in other ways, it doesn't have that heart wrenching effect as talking about a, you know, exotic animal like a kangaroo does. But for purposes of material innovation, creating a skin is very similar. Right. So the work that we're doing, the scientists, the companies, they can create alternatives to kangaroo leather, just like they can create alternatives to cow leather. And so, and like we talked about with the cell grown animals, that's something that people aren't thinking of as well, is that there's so much opportunity for innovation where we could create something totally new. I mean, there could be, I don't know, like koala leather or, you know, zebra leather, things that have beautiful environment or natural properties that are very different, but we don't have to harm the animals. So with the innovation, oh, good. Well, no, I want to ask you because the clock is ticking. We're barreling toward um, wildlife extinction. Uh, There's an extinction clock uh, that you can go and visit online. Um, And there I go again. Uh, Oh, there's an extinction clock you can visit online and it really shows you that the clock is ticking for environmental reasons we need to maintain the natural order and if we start wiping out species we're accelerating our own demise um, with the particular issue of the soccer shoes is there a way to accelerate that change 
while there's protesters protesting uh, this company, uh, I love your approach where you, you go to the company and say, here's a win. Now that they're feeling the pressure, um, just as um, the famous company, I've probably blocked it out of my mind uh, with the with the Puma. No, um, for the for the coats, um, uh, you know, who I'm talking about with the fur trim. They're they're finally oh, agreed. Canada Goose. Yeah, Canada Goose. I mean, Canada Goose resisted change for a long time, but the protests uh, were global and they ultimately were very, very effective. And it seems like the same thing's starting to happen when it comes to the kangaroo leather regarding Nike. I mean, is there a way to say, hey, do you want to go through all those protests now and have it be a global thing and then finally relent? Or would you maybe want to start accelerating a transition to X, Y, Z? I mean, do you approach it from that standpoint ever? And I don't want to put you on the spot. We do. And actually, the nice thing is a lot of these companies approach us. Hmm. So some some of the major footwear companies like we they're putting teams together. I have a meeting. I don't want to say any names, but again, top footwear companies in the world. We have meetings with like 12 or 14 members of their team where we bring in our scientists, we bring in our innovation specialists and we say, number one, this is why you need to move to next gen materials. I will be honest, most of them know that already, especially the really big ones. And part of the protests are the reason, right? And then the environmental impact, the animals, um, and then some of the impact on human health. And then two, how do you do that, right? And that's the big question. If there aren't alternatives, it's very difficult for them to make that choice, right? And you can think about it same from a consumer perspective. If you go in and you want to buy a soccer shoe, you need it to perform in a certain way, right? You want it to be very durable. It needs to work in mud and, you know, heavy rains. Um, It needs to be able to kick soccer balls and, you know, maybe some shin guards, Um, but it needs to perform really well. And unless there's an alternative that can replace that kangaroo leather or cow leather, the companies have a hard time moving. But right now what we're doing is talking to the big brands about the alternatives that exist right now. And then two, putting their resources, meaning both money and time, right? And expertise actually into supporting these next gen material companies. So like I mentioned before, Bolt Threads has a partnership with like Lululemon and Caring and Stella McCartney. Microworks has a partnership with Hermes. It does go back and forth, right? So they will send their material to the brand. The brand will evaluate it, give them some feedback, say it really needs to do X, Y, Z. You need to improve it in this way. And that really does help the material companies advance their product. Um, And then sometimes the brands are putting money into the material companies to help them with the innovation. And so that is something that we can also do as consumers is encourage brands to do this, to say, look, we really do want these alternatives and we want to see companies that align with our values and show us that you're putting your money where your mouth is. Like maybe the materials don't exist right now, but show us that you're investing in these next-gen materials so that we know that, you know, we're on the right path. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting to talk to you because having been in the animal activist world uh, where I've seen it, this is just my perspective, is throughout the years, company 
organizations like PETA and other organizations ask politely, as they have with some of the major fur brands, the individuals at the top of them, the companies, here's the video, here's how horrible it is, it's terrible, it's morally reprehensible, please stop, crickets, 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 more protests, please stop, more intense protests, please stop, crickets. Then it reaches a critical mass where it starts to affect their bottom line or become um, a real embarrassment to their brand. I remember in one instance, uh, uh, one of the big fur designers at the time um, had a big event at the Metropolitan Museum that was disrupted in a very intense way by animal activists. Three weeks later, announced no fur. Now that was after years of polite entreaties. So you could do an end run around all of that. I mean, I think they're smart enough to know that when these things start happening, it can become a real stain on their brand. So is there a way to shortcut? That's what I'm trying to say is that this stuff happens over years. I've watched it over occur over a 15 year period. Is there a way to shortcut it, to give them a win and say, hey, this is what's gonna happen, all right? But here's a win. Why don't we do it now? Save a lot of animals, save you a lot of grief. And honestly, I think that's almost where we are. Like, I think these decades of work from the animal protection groups and the the pressure that they're putting on, not just on the brands, but also informing consumers, right? I think those protests do two things, right? They put pressure on the brands, but then consumers start to think about it and say, oh, I didn't really think that there was animals right in my shoes, or I didn't even think about this fur coming from an animal. And now I know how they're killed. Isn't that awful? So it is both. And those numbers that I cited on consumer interest, right? That's because of that knowledge, right? People don't want to kill animals. Like I really don't think people do, right? They, they're just culturally, you know, they sensitized exactly and so once once they're open to it and there's an alternative then they can make that ethical choice and so with the brands i it really is there's so much demand and a lack of supply um i wish i could say there's a way to shortcut it but there's so many companies who've been working on this for a while even like the past decade that these products are coming to market now and honestly they're really sold out and by products i mean the material so like the the leather they're really sold out for months if not years that there's so much demand from the brands that they've made these commitments to these material companies. So what we need to see now is just more investment in the industry, which as I mentioned in the beginning of the program, we're seeing that accelerating, you know, a huge amount as well. And like you mentioned that Beyond Meat IPO, I mean, so many investors saw that. And if they were in it, they made a ton of money. If they weren't in it, they were like, why wasn't I in it? And Next Gen Materials is really that new frontier for investment as well. And the more investment we can get in the space, more entrepreneurs, more companies, right? Because the more competition in the market, right? The better the products, the lower the price, the higher the scale. And those are all things we need to work on to ensure that the products get to consumers quicker. We only have a minute or two. Uh, When are we gonna see the first IPO of the vegan leather that is going to create that same Beyond Meat style uh, excitement? Oh, good question with the leather. I don't know. There is one public company, Spinova. They're Finnish and they do have an alternative to wool. Um, 
But yeah, I'm not sure. That is such a, a great question. I would I would expect in the next few years. I mean, there are some really big companies who've raised a lot of money and who are going to market this year with the materials, um, and they're going to be looking for more money to scale. We have been talking to Nicole Rawling. It's absolutely exciting. Material Innovation Initiative. Material Innovation Initiative. Get involved. Um, 10 seconds, how do we attend the conference? Oh, I would love to have anybody there. So you can go to our website, materialinnovation.org backslash conference. Um, and, or if you just go to materialinnovation.org, a pop-up will appear with the, the conference information. I love it. Everybody, let's attend this conference. This is such an important aspect of our movement. Nicole, thank you for taking the time. I know you're a very busy person. And thank you, Voice America Radio, for allowing us to do this show. We're um, very honored. Thank you for giving us a voice because so much mainstream media does not allow it. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.